after writing the post-apocalyptic satire Gas, with several S's, for director Roger Corman, George Armitage made his directing debut with 1971's Private Duty Nurses, the sequel to 1970's The Student Nurses, and the prequel to 1973's The Young Nurses, a trilogy of Corman-produced movies about nurses who live together. From that description, you probably have an idea in your head about what this movie is, and, well, it's not not what you're thinking. But it's not just what you're thinking either. Private Duty Nurses is, yes, a 1970s exploitation kind of softcore porno, but it has bigger ideas than that, squeezing some thoughts about racism and environmentalism and drug running and masculinity in between its gauzy scenes of young 70s kids making sweet, sweet love. Here, Armitage follows in the footsteps of writer-director Stephanie Rothman, who also worked on Gas and made the student nurses for Corman. Although she knew she was making a transgressive cheapie, Rothman didn't think of herself as an exploitation filmmaker, and she wanted to educate the audience as much as she wanted to titillate them. Armitage picks up where Rothman leaves off in Private Duty Nurses, telling the story of Spring, played by Catherine Cannon, Lola, played by Joyce Williams, and Lynn, played by Peggy Boucher. Three student nurses who share an apartment they rent from the skeevy landlord, Dewey, played by Paul Hampton. While they begin living together, each of the nurses quickly splits off into their own sexy, socially conscious adventures. Spring tries to help a Vietnam vet with a death wish. Lola joins the handsome Dr. Elton's quest to get more African-American doctors hired at the hospital. And Lynn teams with do-gooder Dr. Selden to stop drug runners. Private duty nurses has everything. Sex, intrigue, assassins. 80s heavy Paul Gleason, and of course, a waterbed. But does it all hang together? Blake and I will decide on today's episode of So Gross. Welcome everybody to So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank, the only Gross Point Blank podcast. Once again, still have not checked up on that. We'll try next time. I'm your host, Blake Collier, and with me, the delectable Joe George. We are beginning our deep dive into the filmography of George Armitage with the 1971 exploitation pick, Private Duty Nurses, and when you hear Private Duty, you know what I mean. <laughs> how you doing? With, how are you feeling about this one, Joe? Oh, my mind is in the gutter with this one, and it's been invited to. But <laughs> yeah. first, I'm not going to just stay in the gutter. I'm also going to solve uh, racism. I'm going to stop drugs, and I'm going to heal the mind of the young men broken in the war. Oh, man. That's uh, that's that's heavy duty right there. It is, but I'm going to do it all from a waterbed, so don't worry. <laughs> I mean, they say love cures all things, right? <laughs> well. Or sex, at least. <laughs> or sex, at least. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is a this this is about what you expect from a, a director entering into into films yep. in the nineteen seventies, uh, when 
this is you know the breakdown of the code uh was allowing a lot more of these kind of pictures to be made yeah uh not as much oversight on what can and cannot be put into a film um and so you get a lot of uh, exploitation films uh coming out during you know late 60s or 70s um private duty nurses though uh, did you get to get a chance to watch the other films in the series mm-hmm. No, I didn't. Yeah, and I, didn't I did either. find a, a, a DVD that actually had, I think, four of them, even though yeah. this is considered a trilogy from everything that I've read. Um, uh, so I'd like to – I'm interested enough. Yeah. Especially yeah. I want to see the first one because yeah. uh, it sounds like Rothman has some a little bit more ideas and something she definitely wants to do. I'm, I'm kind of hoping it's going to be uh, – uh, you know, like the Slumber Party Massacre, where a feminist writing a a genre film that's yeah. going to subvert the trope. So I've kind of got high hopes for it, but I haven't seen it yet. You? Yeah. No, no, I haven't seen any of them. Although, uh, if you're like me, I, I watched Private Duty Nurses through the Shout Factory app on uh, Amazon. Yep. Uh, and that's that's who put out the DVD of the four films. Uh, is Shout Factory. So I. I'm curious. I'm, I'm hoping the fourth one was like released in 2007 or something like that. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Just, just yeah. like, oh, we're gonna find this obscure exploitation pick and 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 bring it out into the <laughs> yeah. and do a do a modern day take on exploitation. <laughs> oh, that's horrifying and interesting. I need I need it's, to know that. If that if that were the case, I would probably buy the DVD just to watch it <laughs> to see you what know, a modern so, take on it is. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So uh, I know you kind of ran into the same thing, but there's not a lot out there uh, uh, about these three movies, um, which strikes me as kind of interesting because uh, they're more than sexploitation films. And Mm -hmm. so you would think they would be something ripe for people to write about. But uh, uh, I don't know. I guess you and I are going to have to pitch on it someplace because there's just not a lot out there. Yeah. Why do you you think that is? Do you think that – do you think that deserves more attention? Should it be forgotten? What do you think? So I'm just thinking from a purely practical standpoint, if I was if I was a guy in the 70s that was interested in sexploitation films, my idea of the best sexploitation film is not going to involve any high-minded ideals about <laughs> saving the environment or curing racism. I just want to see boobs. Yeah. And so... That's that's my thought process going into it. And at the time, you, you probably have some uh, socially conscious elements going on in society in the 70s, but it's not the same ones we have now. And yeah. so looking back on this, we can see some interesting kind of grappling with these issues going on in the film yeah. that probably were just not part of the national consciousness at the time. And so... Would any of this worked for anyone? Uh, anyone writing about it at the time, or anyone now? Like, they're they're not like they they grapple with it, but there's nothing really that fascinating about where they kind of come up uh, yeah. or come come down on on the issue. And so, um, this would have like I think in the in the mid '90s would have been the perfect time because we're kind of transitioning into being yeah. concerned about all all of those things and yet we're not quite there and so yeah i i'm not surprised that there wasn't writing about it but considering that there are you know pieces on armitage's rest <laughs> of his career like that yeah. are kind of just oh, i love this guy he's the greatest you know <laughs> kind of your typical you know masturbatory uh self-congratulating uh, articles yeah. 
you would think that someone would have picked up on on at least th- this this series of films, if not yeah. just him uh, uh, by himself. And so, yeah. but I think it, I think it's just he was trying to do too much with a with a movie that that was not the aim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I admire again yeah. his and and we'll we'll talk about we touched on this in his intro episode, and I'm sure it'll come up again. Um, that that's part of Armitage's calling uh yeah. calling card yeah. you know that he likes to take a genre and and infuse it with something a little bit different and and kind of take it in different ways and he, he obviously he's more successful about that in his later movies but you can see him working that out here how mm-hmm. can i do more than just uh, a sexploitation flick how can i make these into more interesting characters and to be surprising to to both meet the needs of the mm-hmm. the genre and and you know if, if you're going in just looking for boobs, he does give that to you. Uh, yeah. Some, yeah. Not necessarily in narratively fashion, uh, uh, satisfying fashion, but they're there on display. Yeah. So it happens. So how can I meet the needs of the genre while also taking it in different directions? Yeah. And it's not, I think part of what doesn't work with, with this one, as opposed to some of his other movies is these other directions aren't character based. Yes. They're idea based. Yeah. Right. So it is very much, I'm going to, I'm going to show you a sex scene and then I'm going to give you a sermon or I'm going to give you a sermon and then I'll show you a sex scene, which activates different parts of the brain, yes. <laughs> at least for me as a viewer. So, yeah. so here's, here's, here's a question real quick. And, and yeah. part of me wonders if this is one, another reason why, uh, this one didn't quite get the the notice that one might expect it to. Were any of the scenes of uh, of nudity titillating for you? Honestly, like no, no, same here, <laughs> same here. And and I've seen I've seen some some sexploitation where like I could see the draw, like yeah. I could see the draw of of what they were shooting, the leering kind of male gaze. Yeah. Like it's, it's made for men. Like that's, yeah. that's the yeah. whole point. And so, um, but nothing about this, like screamed, Hey, you're supposed to get your rocks off on this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah. so failed at the genre. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is good. Like I, I, I'm glad he failed at it because, because <laughs> I, I think of, of many, like with his next films, like there are elements of, of black exploitation and, and other exploitation that I think have good, qualities sexploitation it's a little harder to find the positive qualities it, it tends to be just more of a male gaze and like here overly sexualized yeah. women so yeah i'm too much of a prude to to <laughs> to be the one that i mean i i i totally believe that that it can be done and i'm sure people have done it yes um i don't know that i'm my i think that's a part where my critical abilities will fail me oh yeah um yeah and I, I don't know that I can speak intelligently on it, but yeah, I, I agree that it's, it's, it's the least suited towards the sort of thing that he's trying to do, but I can also understand why he starts with it. Did any of the various tracks that he follows, the Dewey plot, the, the, the racial plot, the domino story and the environmental slash drugs story, <laughs> did any of those work for you? I think the one I ultimately my, my answer will be no, okay. but, but I, I would say that the one that comes the closest to working for me is, is the racial plot line simply okay. because 
it's hard not to be somewhat character based when the two characters dealing with it are both African American. Sure. So it's it's one of those things where you're like, okay, well, they by their very like skin color, they're brought into this world that is white run, sure. and so even if nothing before the they meet as doctor and nurse like makes you think that they're racially like minded at least the nurse isn't the doctor is a little right. bit more so um until they meet like that's when the storyline starts and so it's 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 not well done and and i think that's part of the reason why it doesn't quite work for me is and and really the uh when we look at race today, I think there's a lot of elements that would have, we look back on films like this and we, we kind of, we're kind of disgusted a little bit because of the, the misogyny inherent in that relationship. Whereas, you know, today, like we, we, we try to look at, you know, at the black community as not monolithic. Right. Or, and, and that there's there's a difference between being a black woman and a black man and right. things like this. And so there's there's a lot of nuance that we try to incorporate now that's just not present at all. Yeah. Like this is yeah. here is race and we're yep. going to solve this. Yep. <laughs> and so and, and so there is no nuance. There is nothing going on there. And so um, it just doesn't work simply because they don't come to a. Like when they do quote unquote win, yeah, it's because the white guy just was like gives up. He's like, yep. okay, fine, whatever, and yep. that's the victory. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's not a victory. You basically, <laughs> let him set the terms. <laughs> yep. And so, yeah, it just it goes nowhere. Like there's a lot of potential elements that could have played into that. Uh, but yeah, the rest of, the rest of the storylines felt so alien. Uh, that I was just like, oh, so this is going to be their topic. Yep. And there's that topic, and they don't have any real connection to any of the characters. <laughs> so. Nope. It's just, I mean, and that, and you kind of touched on this with the, uh, with the, with the race plot, but the the nurses exist only to be to take off their clothes and to be the ways in to the various men's stories. Yes. Um, they have. Uh, 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 Spring has a certain degree of agency in that she gets to tell Domino, you know, this this disaffected, broken man that she's trying to save for whatever reason. <laughs> she she gets to you know push back on his nonsense a little bit, but yeah. she exists to to save him, you yeah. know, to mm-hmm. to bring him back. Uh, Lola exists to help Dr. Elton in his cause. Uh, uh, Lynn exists to help Dr. Selden fight yeah. drugs and save the environment. I mean, they don't, they don't have any agency whatsoever. Yeah. I think that's some more nuance that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is that this is not their story. They are subjected to all of this, whatever the men want, which makes the, 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 the rape scene in Lynn's storyline that much more disgusting. Yes. <laughs> and then yeah. afterwards, Dr. Selden breaks up with her because they just don't connect anymore. And that's just, <laughs> oh boy, that, Jeez. that's, <laughs> it's rough. It's that's rough. rough. Yeah. That's... Especially, especially when you literally are the title of the film. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And your only purpose is to serve the men in the story <laughs> and yep. serve and service the men in yeah, the story. Exactly. 
So. And I know it's a 70s exploitation movie, so maybe this is just – but the way that the rape is shot, we kind yeah. of titillize. It's just – it's awful. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very it's, – it's very off-putting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I will say that <laughs> the, the, the handful of other sexploitation films I, I've happened upon, I would say it's better done than those. Okay. Like when that kind of – when that subject matter comes up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 not anywhere near what it should be. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and we know that that at the sixties and seventies, especially in exploitation movies, movie producers explicitly thought that uh, rape was a good way to get to advance a plot and mm-hmm. get nudity on screen. So yeah, exactly, we, you know that we know that that's what they're after, and it succeeds that. But I don't know. I'm not a maybe this maybe this makes me a bad critic but i'm never a fan of we have to read these things through the context of the time i yeah i'm gonna take the strong 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 stance that rape is bad rape was bad then rape is bad now and so uh so yeah that's that just and the thing is i mean this is the case with most exploitation movies where this happens is before that i'm kind of just enjoying this as a dumb cheesy you know uh, goofy movie and then when that happens it just grinds the movie to a halt yeah. uh, in a way that in a way that the other storylines don't maybe that's you know because I'm a sheltered white guy and so the racial story's not going to affect me in quite the same way but mm-hmm. boy that, that kills the movie for me oh man no kidding and it doesn't earn it whatsoever yeah, no like like there's nothing in the film leading up to that that would have even given a slight foreshadowing of of that element kind of coming yeah. into the story, yeah. um, which is, which is my biggest, my biggest struggle. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm like you, like, I, I think we can very much read our current, uh, yeah. morality into, uh, the past. Uh, I will say that that can be challenged and, and, uh, nuanced by understanding where culture was at that time. Yeah. But I'm not going to say that's going to over, overwhelm my, my personal moral, <laughs> Yeah, right. Understandings of, of a film. Um, right. I can I can get why these films were made and, and, and the reasoning behind putting something like that in a film, but I'm still yeah. not going to say it's good. <laughs> yeah. And so I just found the fact that, yeah, there's that element and then the random Turkish hitman. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that has nothing, like, leading up. Like, we're not introduced to like a Turkish population yep. or a Turkish mob boss or anything like that. It's just some random Turkish guy who shows yeah. up and, and you're like, okay, well, <laughs> admittedly at the time it was big to have the villain quote unquote villain be yeah. of middle Eastern or, uh, yeah. you know, brown skin basically. Yeah. And so, okay, I get that. Like, that's just the time period. That's what they viewed as the fears of the the U.S. nation. You know, the shorthand for scary. Exactly, for the exactly. Yeah. And so, but man, it just is so abrupt. It's <laughs> it's so, so abrupt. <laughs> and then to mix that with with the the rape, and then <laughs> yep, on top of that, like it's a real killer. Like any yeah. any motive, like any kind of push this film has, going up to that point is completely killed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, It can no longer be kind of the, the, the carefree or noble failure at that point. Exactly. Yeah. That, that was a, that was a definite choice that was made. Yeah. And they put it in there and, and then they try to go back to to the feeling of, of the original, like first hour 
yeah. of the film. And it just, you can't. Like, there's, <laughs> you just had a rape scene. Yeah, yeah. And you're planning on going back to a free, frolicking, like, yeah. lighthearted affair. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, you, you, you've you killed sex. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> so you can't, exactly. You can't go back to it. You've poisoned that well. Yeah. But but what about Domino? I'm, I'm fascinated by this storyline because this was... I think this is still something that uh, they were dealing with back in then, but they were also dealing with it, you know, we're still dealing with it today. This idea that, you know, war causes trauma. Uh, Now, I don't think Domino's portrayal is that interesting. Yeah. Um, But I I at least appreciate him bringing that subject up because I think on the whole, it doesn't get the, uh, the publicity it should. And so, yeah. Yeah, I, I respect what he's trying to do there, but it, it, the performance, it do, it never feels like somebody, to me, I guess I should say, in, in my limited experience with yeah. this, very, very limited, it doesn't feel, I don't buy that he has PTSD. I, I, I read him more as kind of, you know, just, just one of those kind of full of themselves white mm-hmm. dudes that's yeah. just, you know, the bike's the only place I feel freedom, and... <laughs> And she's falling over him for that. And you're like, oh, this is terrible. This is – this guy is so – you know, it reminds me of my, my favorite version of this, uh, the the Mike White movie, uh, The Good Girl. Do you know that? With uh, Jennifer no, Aniston I haven't and, seen it. I haven't okay. seen it. Okay. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal plays a uh, uh, a character that's, you know, the – the just so disaffected watches too many Tim Burton movies. N- society doesn't understand me. White, and he is just utterly hateful. <laughs> you know, we as an audience are supposed to be tired of his overly romantic shtick, and that's what Domino read like to me more yeah. so than you know a haunted vet um, who's who's been through some stuff. Yeah, it's it's just I don't know. Did it did it work for you? No, no, okay. not at all. Yeah, no, I. I, I read it more as like so I've known some I've known some vets in, in, in yeah. my past that have dealt with those kind of things and he actually strikes me as more of a of a kind of slacker who avoided going to war in the first place sure and feels like it. And, yeah. and and he's basically just traded out um, duty for you know quote unquote uh, living a free life. And I, I use free in the 70s sense, like yeah, (laughs) free love and free all, you know, so yeah, like basically it's all about me. Yeah. It's it's not about anyone else. Like I need to come to my own self-realization. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and the bike is where I'm doing it. (laughs) Even if it kills my head over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's, 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 it's a rough watch. Like, I'm glad he gave he gives lip service to it, but yeah, I wish yeah. it had been a little bit stronger on that on that note. Um, yeah, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, it is what it is, and it's... and it's sad that the environmental story is like literally the one I forgot until you spoke it. <laughs> well, because it's like half drugs, half environment. It's just, and then it it doesn't. Yeah. It, it, the, the the most notable thing about that that are is the Turkish assassin and the the rape scene. Yeah. Like besides that, that's it's it's the the least clear um and is the nastiest. So yeah. Well, I and, wish I could forget it more. Yeah. No kidding. Well, and, and so do you remember the scene where they're they're testing the water? 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. and the dude comes up and he's like, hey guys, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Part of me, part of me wished that George Armitage had the foresight to get the mayor from Jaws. I know. To play that character. Yep. Wouldn't that have been amazing to yep. just have it's that totally cameo? totally what you're like, thinking though. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, so this is the guy who thinks that what they're doing is going to keep him from getting money. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. This is 71. Jaws yeah. is 74. So did Spielberg rip off Armitage? That's my oh, question. Oh, easily. Easily. Is Murray Hamilton that. based on this character? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Spielberg Spielberg rips off everyone. No, just kidding. <laughs> even, even I can't say that. And I'm not a Spielberg fan. And we lose subscribers. <laughs> <Yeah>. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we uh, should have done the the rate and review was at the start instead. Yeah, exactly. No, that instead of the, the end. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what everyone who listens to podcasts does. Yeah, <laughs> they, exactly. They hear it at the beginning. They're like, "Oh, I'm gonna stop the podcast." And <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. We're, so, we're just changing the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're doing something new anyway. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so we got. I, I I need to talk about Dewey because okay. I kind of love. Dewey. Okay. I, I think that part works okay. for those. So Dewey is the, the slimy landlord and and Armitage got me with, with this because I, I don't know if you recall, we meet him and he's the first guy that picks up one of the girls. Yeah. I think it's uh, uh, Lynn or Lola. I can't remember. I think, I think it's I think it's Lola. Uh, yeah, but... I think it's I think it's Lola. Yeah. So he picks her up and and takes her out and um, seduces her. And it's the first sex scene that we see in the movie. And, and uh, there's a she walks into his very 70s, 70s attired place. And her first line is, oh, wow, is that a waterbed? <laughs> which, <laughs> which is such a quintessential thing. And, and Dewey's just he's just talking through the entire thing and even has this line where he says, think of your pleasure and I'll do the rest. Yes. But then 10 seconds later, he's done. And so I'm thinking it's like, oh, this they're, they're playing it straight. Like, this is how the sex scenes are going to work in this movie. And it turns out that, no, it's a total subversion. Like, yeah. they, they linger on – it lingers on her for a little while to make clear that she did not enjoy this experience <laughs> as much as, as, as he did. You know, and, and they let him kind of pull on his pants and talk about how he needs to kick her out, but how it was really great and and – Dewey keeps kind of popping back up like this yeah. sort of, you know, coming up for booty calls and and we get the the scene where she's with Dr. Selden and he's feeling a little a little intimidated that she, mm-hmm. and, and hurt that how dare she see somebody else. I mean, so he, he's the entitled the, the entitled privileged dude um yeah. who, mm-hmm. who is exploiting these women and it it feels like it's kind of a satire of potentially part of the audience who's actually watching this movie and i thought that yeah. was really i think that was really successful did, did dewey work for you so do Dew, dewey and all the characters throughout film history like him <laughs> always work for me i okay. love characters like that just to completely go with the flow entitled um yeah. slacker like you're not actually sure they have a job but somehow they continue to have money to do all the things yeah. they're doing yeah. and you're just like how is this possible? But just that kind of like he he is the the utopian ideal for white people. Yeah. In the sense that, hey, I don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Like, 
I yeah. don't have to worry about the problems of the world. I don't have to worry about. The, I just want to have fun, go with the flow, yeah. enjoy my day, maybe yeah. have some sex. You know, you never know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, no, Dewey. Dewey is great simply for yeah. that. And and I think you're right. I even if Armitage didn't do it on purpose, I think he sets up a a uh, consequential subversion there. Yeah, you know, with that character um, because. All the other characters had latch on to some like good, good deed of some sort, yeah. And they they kind of they kind of live under that quote unquote storyline throughout the rest yeah. of the film. And he <laughs> he comes in towards the very end, and he's still the same Dewey. Like he yep. he's like, yeah, y'all have been spending this whole hour and a half worrying about <laughs> the stuff, and I'm just like, hey, hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Like you, like you almost expect him to roll up on a a, a Segway if they still oh, have totally. that Segway. <laughs> totally, yeah. Well, he's playing frisbee in that one scene, so yeah. it's it's the next closest thing. Yes, it's no, he's totally closest. on a Segway. Yeah. Good, good observation. <laughs> yeah, no, Dewey Dewey's great. Dewey, Dewey <laughs> is the comic uh, kind of backbone of the film. <laughs> yeah, yep. And and for me, the most successful part. That, yes, I just for think sure. That's really smart. Uh, how about um? So I don't know if this stood out as much as it did to me, but you're you're a music guy. The band that they go see at the start, Sky, um, Sky, yes. yes. Any thoughts about Sky? Um, well, I I think for a band that no one knows about, they fit the genre at the time. You know, you yes. have kind of like bands like Air and Bread, sure, and like all very like you know, white boy kind of <laughs> granola yep. sounding names with generic rock sound. Um, yep. Yep. This, these I guys have, it. these guys have a little bit more funk uh, just because it's a sexploitation. You gotta, get, yep. gotta have that base. Um, no treble. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> like, yeah, it's sky, like nothing about them turned me off. Yeah. Uh, like I, I could listen to it and be like, okay, okay yeah, I can, I can, it's fine. Okay. Uh, nothing about it made me hate it, but it. What I, I I don't I I couldn't honestly tell you the tune right now. That's how forgettable it is. <laughs> Let me give you some of the lyrics. Okay. Of the song that they're singing. The the chorus was, "How's that treating your mouth, babe?" Um, <laughs> and gets repeated several times. It includes the uh, uh, gems like, "Don't go down with the burning ship. You can go down on me." And so, um. <laughs> I I had a big at first I was like okay this is an okay seventies band and then and then it was oh ew oh <laughs> that's just see that's gross and that's and that's the beauty of what you're bringing to this podcast is that you <laughs> actually would have looked up the lyrics to a song like that I'm just like yeah sounds good whatever <laughs> well let me tell you the other reason I looked it up because I'm looking at the guy I'm like he looks familiar uh-huh. well of course that's it's Doug Figer. Um, who is this, uh, uh, the front man for the knack, um, oh, okay. the hit my Sharona. Yeah. Uh, he wrote my Sharona. Um, and although the band's based out of, uh, Los Angeles, Doug Figer is from Michigan. Um, oh, and wow. so from my original the stomping grounds, and he's also famous for somewhat famous for, for, for Michiganders like myself, because his brother, Jeffrey Figer, um, is a well-known lawyer, uh, kind of most famous for defending Dr. Kevorkian, oh, wow. uh, the suicide doctor. Yes. And then also in the nineties, uh, <laughs> ran for governor, 
on the Democratic platform because at that point we had open primaries. So a bunch of Republicans went and nominated him on the Democratic side, and he's just a buffoon. So the Figer brothers are kind of uh, uh, Michigan legend buffoons. And so I'm watching, I'm like, that guy looks familiar. And so that's why I looked it up like, yep, that's that's Doug Figer. So uh, (laughs) My Sharona, a much better song. Not a great song, but at least it got parodied by Weird Al. So he's got some points there. (laughs) At least he's he's not he's not opposed to catchiness. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Even if the lyrical quality improved over time. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But yeah, Sky, Sky was another sort of that was before i realized entirely what the dewey plot was doing too so that was where they i'm just like oh oh gross (laughs) so 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 would you say the sky theme song is is actually dewey's theme song oh totally (laughs) yeah no dewey is is sky's biggest fan he keeps hanging around them trying to Get as many groupies as he can that, that, that he wants hilarious. to go on tour with them. He's he's gonna become their manager. That's <laughs> if we followed these stories later on. Dewey becomes their manager. Wouldn't that be amazing if Dewey showed up in all the films? Oh man! Oh, I want. I I think right after we're done recording this, I'm going to order that DVD I, and I, I'm going I may to, have sit- to also. <laughs> That's we'll do a follow up for it. <laughs> Sweet. Oh uh, yeah, I you know there's. Overall, I, this is a it's a, it's a very strange film. It's a strange uh, film. But you know, you can you can see some of the the ideas developing uh, in in Armitage's style and his characters and things like yeah. that. I'm still not sure. I'm still trying to like I I agree from our last podcast that that some of the men are the outsiders, especially yeah. uh, the Doctor and Domino. I guess his name is. Yeah. I'm horrible at character names, so just get to know that. <laughs> <laughs> you can see some of those elements, but but do you think he actually like? Do you think it's formulated fully yet? Oh gosh, no. Okay, no. This is this is very much embryonic. Um, I can, and in fact, I I, I think his better movies later on. Um, uh, Gross Point, obviously. Miami Blues as well, um, and Big Bounce to a less successful degree. Yeah. Um, take on a lot of these, a lot of these masculinity tropes, and kind of uh, you know subvert them, twist them around mm-hmm. in certain ways. Um, we get a lot more of the Dewey vibe, what he's doing with Dewey, than we do what he's doing with the other three doctors. And yeah. so uh, one gets the sense here that he wants to do more with genre than just hit the genre beats, but maybe decides after this that the kind of the high minded political or, or social commentary isn't the way that's going to work for him mm-hmm. instead subversion via character twisting the tropes really is is where this ends up going that's what yeah. i see what do you think yeah. no i i definitely agree and i i think if since his his actual first directorial de- debut like i can let him off the hook to some extent that he's right. he's just he's still figuring out the format like how he wants to be a director what that looks like and i'm sure working under the corman's is a hodgepodge of yes. expectations and final product. And who knows if he got final cut, like of yeah. this film, like it you got to believe probably yeah, not, probably not. Yeah. yeah. Because this feels like I said, uh, like a Michael Bay film <laughs> yeah. in some ways. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically like, Oh yeah, well we don't know how to get from here to there. So we're just going to quick cut and move on. So yeah, I I think I think there are there's evidence of, of where he's going and kind of who he's going to become as a director and a writer. 
to, yeah. to, to that extent. Yeah, there's there's a reason why this is this is both you and I's least favorite film in his catalog. So many weird, disturbing elements to this film that didn't need to be there and yep. and could have been taken out and no harm, no foul. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> so would have been a stronger film yep, for it. Absolutely, exactly, for sure. So and more successful what it was trying to do. So yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be glad to move on from, yeah. from this one. It's yeah. better stuff for sure. So what would be your final summation of the movie? Uh, I want to call it a noble try, but because of the, 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 the rape scene and the Turkish assassin scene and the response to both of those, um, it's a less than noble try. Yeah. I'm glad he matures out of it. That's, yeah, that's my exactly. Summation. Yeah, same here. You? Like, yeah. I, I think I'm going to fall on the same tracks that I, I think ultimately Private Duty Nurses becomes a good starting point if muddled and yeah. and, and problematic because we know where he's going to ultimately end up. We're going to be able to forgive the, <laughs> the parts that don't work exactly. uh, a little bit more than we, we would have normally. And so to be honest, going into his films and, and seeing them all, uh, I'm just glad to see that there was a, a definite trajectory towards uh, <laughs> towards a better and more uh, stated understanding of, of film uh, yeah. and style and character. So if if none of his films had been good except for Gross Point Blank, we might be dealing with another story here, but <laughs> but that's not the case. And so, so that's all for So Gross Such Point, Much Blank this week. We have been your hosts, Blake Collier and Joe George. Next week, we will be moving on to the second minute of our minute-by-minute exploration of Ghost Point Blank with minute number two. Remember, this podcast is us breathing. Thank you for listening to So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. Every bit of feedback gives us the ability to expand our audience. So if you like what you're hearing, go on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and a review. If you don't like what you're hearing, go listen to something else. No one's forcing you to do this. Come on. Our podcast theme was created by Jans. You can find his music and other projects at jansofficial.com, and it's Y-O-N-S. Our podcast intro music to this episode was Irresistible Yvette by Lee Mattiford and Le Gaucher Quintet. Our podcast outro music was created by Jeff Hansen. Our podcast artwork was created by Jeff Wyrick. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash so gross pod remember that's gross with an e and on twitter and instagram at so gross pod again gross with an e you can follow blake on twitter at lost in osmosis and you can follow me on twitter at j a george i i that i i is supposed to be a two but i spelled with two eyes anyway thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week on so gross such point much blame Hey, bing, 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 bang. Popcorn. Yeah, whatever. <laughs>